Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Lindsay Simsick and Crystal Williams. We're bouncing around. We're bouncing around. We're moving and grooving. We're happy to have you here. It is <laughs> almost the end of 2023, and we did it, y'all. We made it. We did it again. We survived. I kind of went into this year knowing that, like, I don't know, 23 has never been a number I relate to. Hey, that's it. That's real. I think everyone that I knew was like, I love 23 because everyone was so like Michael Jordan. Exactly. Because everyone oh, was really? like, I swear. Everyone that I knew has always been like, 23 is my number. I don't know <laughs> like if that's an Ohio dudes. thing. Yeah. Maybe it's Ohio. But I think everybody that I knew was like, yeah, my lucky number is 23. I swear. <laughs> so I think a lot of people I knew related to it. But I went into this year being like, this is going to be the best year of my life. And in a lot of ways, it wasn't. But on the inside, it was. Mm -hmm. For my soul, she doesn't need everything to be good, to have fun. She's here for not a good time, but an interesting time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The mythic drama. She loves the mythic drama of life. Mm -hmm. She's here for all of it. Yeah. Do you feel like your soul's in the mythic drama and like you're just kind of watching it? Or do you feel like you're in in the drama and your soul's watching it being like, all's well? Mm, Good one. I don't know if it's a good one, but... (laughs) It's a good one. It's a great question, Lindsay. (laughs) You're good at this. I would say that we are working in collaboration and I feel more like my soul than ever before. So it feels, yeah, I feel it's interesting. I feel very detached from things. Like I'm almost like witnessing Mm. like the birth death cycles, you know, that I've been in, whether it's personally or externally, things happening. And yeah, just I feel more like, oh, yeah. That's a natural part of this human experience, you know, process. But yeah, it's been a really, really powerful year. I feel like it's laid the foundation for the next seven years of your life, the next seven years of my life, both different paths. But, you know, we're still here today. We're intertwined. (laughs) Don't worry. But we got bills to pay. (laughs) Different paths, but bills to pay. (laughs) We often reflect just on, yeah, the the parallels and also the contrast that we both experience, yet we're able to move through together and support each other through. And it's a beautiful thing, baby. It's really a beautiful thing in friendship. True, deep friendship. True, deep friendship. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel, I don't know, I appreciate that about myself that I never feel like I, I compare to people I don't know. I never compare to people I know. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That I remember makes perfect like, sense. oh yeah, what's going on with, you know, because I feel like a lot of times when you have a sister and I grew up with a sister and I know you mm-hmm. grew up with sisters, that can be such a natural part of the experience of being a sister or even a sibling, maybe, where you kind of look around, like, what are they doing? Where are they at? What's going on with them? But never really had that. But For a lot of people, the end of the year, as we reach the end of the year, this beautiful culmination of 2023, we can be reflecting, we can be analyzing, and we can also get very anxious and very caught up in 
the rigmarole and the stories and the beliefs that we need to be somewhere that we're not, that we need to be someone that we're not, and that we have to do all the things to get all the things done before the new year begins. And I think this episode's going to be perfect because it is like this, it is, what's the word? It's almost like a circuit break. It's just kind of like stopping that pattern of feeling like we have to do so much at the end of the year and really using this as a sacred time to rest, not only supported by hopefully taking time off work and being time with our family, but also by the seasons changing. Winter is a time for rest. So the inspiration from this episode to talk about rest in a real way, in an actionable way, in a way that feels approachable, in a way that feels exciting, in a way that feels like we're looking forward to it and not like we have to burn out to receive it is going to be really good. Yeah. And I think it really sets a tone to be able to integrate rest moving forward. It doesn't just have to be at this time of year or like you said, after kind of a a season of burnout. This is something that I feel like we've done a really good job of integrating the last few years, you know, more consciously. We were definitely not doing that in the beginning of almost 30. We were kind of doing the most We were burning ourselves at both ends. We were at some point working multiple jobs and yeah, just feeling an intense pressure to achieve and get to a certain point, whether it's in our career or how we're making an impact. And we didn't give ourselves rest until we got there. And I actually don't know the turning point, to be completely honest, but we've thankfully been able in our partnership and in our friendship to be able to hold up a mirror at points for each other and encourage one another in different seasons to like, hey, we can take a step back and we can take a moment and we can rest. And what we've learned, at least what I've learned is oftentimes that's exactly what was needed in the process to get to where we wanted to go faster, which is so interesting about rest. A hundred percent. I think we worked with a coach for a few years and I really think that they were really helpful for us in the really pulling up and out of what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Why are you pushing so hard? Why are you rushing? You know, when you have someone, again, like we have each other as a mirror, but when you have a therapist or a coach or a friend or a family member or a mentor or that person that really is going to pull you out of your programs and your stories and the way that you're operating unconsciously, you can really look at what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I think for me for so long, it was the feeling that it's all going to go away that, you know, if I stop, it stops. If I don't make it happen, nothing's going to happen. And I mean that in our business and outside of my life in general, you know what I mean? In relationships, in every single thing, you know, not trusting that there's another, that there's other forces at play. And I think so many of us have been programmed into believing that hard work is how we get anything. And hard work is really the only way. And it makes sense. You know, I think there's nothing inherently wrong with that belief, but when it makes you burnt out and sick and it makes you living a life that isn't really for you, but is for capitalism or things that aren't serving your highest good, that's when we really need to look at it. So the burnout at the end of the year can be real. And I think for a lot of people, it's really seeing like, what is the intention behind what they're doing? Like, why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they pushing so hard? What is the actual why? And why do you feel like you have to get there in such a rush? Mm. Yeah. And I think just to kind of share briefly lately, what has been like required of me and you to really carve out that time for rest. I think for me, it is being able to train my mind to connect the dots between what rest provides me 
because so quickly you can kind of get into the the habit or pattern of like doing the most and then finally taking the rest. And so to disrupt that pattern, I've had to really almost take note or record of like when I get up earlier to take time to rest in my being and meditate for 20 minutes before, say, the baby gets up, et cetera, I notice that I actually have more to give or that I am more present and connected or I notice that it affects the baby. Like I, I think that helps me because oftentimes my mind will try to convince me otherwise and just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. That manifesting generator part of me is like, let's exhaust ourselves today and then we'll be satisfied, which has its truth. And I think there's like a shadow of that as well. So that's been really helpful just to reflect on like, okay, how have I proven to myself that like these pockets of rest that I build into my everyday are incredibly important? And then I think just as a new mom, it's been important to relook at like the shame I have around rest and kind of the badge of honor that not resting has held for me in the past and also has held in like my lineage. Thinking about like my mom and her mom. If I think about my mom, like, I don't know if she's had a good night's sleep in I don't know how long. And so I definitely want to make sure that I am rewiring that pattern and setting a new example and standard, not only for my children, but also just, yeah, as a way, as a way of life. You know, I don't think, I don't think it's a badge of honor. I think it's at the detriment of our health. Yeah. And our children and our family. And I really realized that, you know, if I want to be in a different energy than stress, than anxiety, than rushing, than all of the feelings that I don't want to feel, I need to get out of those feelings that I don't want to feel. I can't create new feelings being in old experiences and feelings. So it was really the prioritization of rest and pleasure and enjoyment and joy as a means to create more of that in my life and as a means to live in that more in my life and to really see the act of rest and pleasure as an important part of like self-preservation, you know, especially as someone that's highly sensitive. It is a non-negotiable for me to have time to decompress, to be off my phone, to be in nature, to be quiet, to be in silence, to have no sensory input so that I can not only operate most functionally when I am on, but so I can really just be present for my life, like you said. And I think before I was working way more, more hours, but it was maybe less productive because it wasn't like a full 100%. Because I think when we're always moving at a certain percentage around, because we're going all the time, if we're working or we're active for 12 hours a day, you know, it might be better, you might get more done and even be more productive if you're resting for four hours and then you're actually being fully engaged and present because you have the mental capacity to, to do so. And there's a lot of research, which we're going to talk about on the podcast with Tracy too, around how important resting is to our mental health, to our physical health. It has great benefits to the immune system, for stress management, for our mood, decision-making, for creativity, for work productivity, for inflammation. It is such an important part of our health. And I think we have all the productivity hacks covered. We have all the optimization things talked about. We have biohacked and prioritized our life to death. It is time to rest, to dream, to play, 
and Tibby. So on the podcast today, we have Tracy Stanley. She is the author of the best-selling book, Radiant Rest. This is yoga nidra for deep relaxation and awakened clarity. And then she has a new book out, The Luminous Self, Sacred Yogic Practices and Rituals to Remember Who You Are. So we'll be diving into both of those topics and more in this episode. And I just think it's really aligned. We talk to a lot of people in our community who are feeling like they're on kind of this precipice of like becoming more of who they are, but a lot of people feel stuck and held back by whether it's like their patterns of behavior or the relationships they're in or the job that they have. And, you know, there can be so much change and transformation in these very simple, tactical, everyday practices. And you will see the reverberations of them in your life. You don't necessarily need to make that huge, big change or leap or decision in order to experience the change that you desire and experience more of who you really are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tracy's such a sweetheart. She's incredible. Grateful to connect you with her. If you've not been connected with her already, you can find her on Instagram. It's Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-E-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y. She is a teacher, mentor, speaker, a poet, and a seeker. She does retreats. She has her books and her podcast, and she's a really cool person. So enjoy this one. Be inspired to find and cultivate that luminous self and get more rest. Find more information about Lindsay and I at almost30.com. I'm on Instagram at it's Krista, it's I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A, and Lindsay's <laughs> at Lindsay Simsick. And then we have Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. We have our courses and programs like The Life Edit, The Invitation, Sacredness of Being Single, and Podcast Pro for podcasters. We can support you telling you everything that we've ever learned at almost30.com. Mm -hmm. Enjoy this one, everyone. We'll see you on the other side. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these Superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So 
We actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. Okay. Small daily actions. Ah, they just make a big difference. And I just cannot emphasize this enough. It creates this cascade effect and honestly a snowball effect. <laughs> so one begets the next really great positive small action, but it almost has like a bigger impact as the day, as the week goes on. Um, and I'm just someone who very much believes in this, whether you're like smiling at a stranger, or maybe you wake up a little bit earlier to practice your meditation, or maybe read part of the book that you're loving, uh, or maybe you integrate a healthy habit, like taking a probiotic, which is something that I've been doing for a few years now. I've been taking seeds DSO one daily symbiotic and I love it. And I've just noticed that this is the catalyst at the beginning of the day for a ton of healthy choices that I make. Um, and I've noticed a difference when I don't take it. Um, I forgot on vacation a few months ago and I noticed a difference. I was bloated. I wasn't as regular. I started to get a little breakout on my chin. Things were just going haywire. Um, so I'm just so thankful for seed. If you are someone who wants to support your gut or your skin digestion, your gut barrier integrity, oh, I recommend seed. Their DSO-1 daily symbiotic is incredible. What is different about Seed? So Seed's patented capsule and capsule design is so unique. It basically means that the fragile bacteria within the capsule can survive the journey. So from like shipping to your door to when you put it in your body all the way through your GI tract, um, all without synthetic or chemical coatings. Um, and this was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. They are the best in the space. Um, so I just, I trust them and I've experienced incredible results. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash almost and use the code 25almost to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash almost. The code is 25almost. Thank you, God, for giving us the opportunity to connect share from our hearts to speak our truth to bring through what is meant to be brought through to be ourselves to connect and heal share the messages that are in the highest good of all we are so grateful for the grounding we are so grateful for the peace we are so grateful for the space in this now moment thank you thank you thank you for all the technology for supporting us in this mission here on earth we are so grateful. 
Amen. Amen. Sometimes if I'll pray, it'll kind of like take me off to space. So I have to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to leave in the I was, I was definitely off with you. So I know. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes I, I'll, st I'll pray and then I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, where do we go? I'm so grateful to have you here. I was telling you before, but I just feel like so much of your work is so advanced and so groundbreaking and so necessary and needed. And I feel like sometimes in the spiritual world and space, it's like, once you start on the beginning of your journey, it's all of the things. It's like the crystals, the courses, the programs, the books and everything. And then at the end, you kind of come back to nature, rest, being yourself and the things that are simple. And you can tell in your practice and the work that you do that you just are such a, not in a hierarchical way, but an advanced spiritual being because of your teachings. They're just so beautiful and profound. And I'm so excited to talk about your new book, The Luminous Self. And I know before we were talking about our personalities. And I think the conversation around our personalities, you are not your personality, is one of the parts of the book, is so interesting because I think for me, it felt like the way that I loved myself was through the personality. I am funny. I am, you know, smart or I am these things. It's like I had to use my identity markers as parts of what I perceived my personality to be in order to love myself. Yeah. And it's become something that I've really had to work with, you know, and of course in Miracles, it talks about specialness and mm -hmm. that is separation. But I'd love for your perspective on the personality and us not being the personality, because I think a lot of people come to find and define themselves by their personalities. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. So what I would say is one of the greatest spiritual inquiries that we can ask ourselves is, who am I? And many times when we ask ourselves, who am I in the Western world, we start to list all the labels, all the accolades, the things like being funny, the things like what we do for a profession. But what happens when those things are taken away? So in order for us to actually know who we are, we have to think about what is actually eternal mm -hmm. within us. And we have to release all of the things that are impermanent. And so when we think about our personality, our personality is kind of structure that is created from all of the things that we have experienced in life. Mm -hmm. In yoga, they talk about this as being samskara, imprint, impressions that create a coloring. And from that coloring, it's almost like a coloring that comes over your glasses you start to see the world in a certain way and you don't question it because it seems very real. So you start to react in certain ways and those ways in which you react mm -hmm. are based on the coloring. So you do it over and over and over and over again. And then eventually it becomes habitual. If those habits start to concretize, it creates a personality, right? And so our personality mm -hmm. becomes, oh, I I'm introverted or I'm extroverted or I'm really smart and that's how I get my validation. That's how I get my, you know, little gold stars in the world. I, I miss out maybe on opportunities because I'm too introverted to be able to go out and express myself. I'm not dancing to the song of my own soul because I'm afraid to share. And there may be very valid reasons for those things, but I think it's really important for us to investigate. And that's part of, I think, a spiritual journey is that investigation and to hopefully have practices that will help you to peel back the layers of who you are not so you can really rest in and reclaim the power of who you are. It's so interesting because I think 
in life, there's concepts that we're taught that can not land until they land, you know? So it's like Mm self-love for me was something it was like, okay, until it truly landed in IFS, which I've I talked to you about, but that helped me really understand self-love. But even this is like, I understand it and then I don't. And so it's like the ego is like, we don't understand. <laughs> we want to keep this. Yeah. So if I'm, I, we can use me as an example. So if I'm someone that's like trying to find or step more fully into my purpose, what my mind perceives that I do for that is to develop and cultivate aspects of my personality that I can attribute to the mark I'm going to make on the world or who I am. So as an example, just being funny as, as the thought. Okay, because I'm funny, I should do these career things. I should use this in this way. My purpose is to make people laugh, to bring levity to things. But that's still like aspects of the personality. So for anyone listening, if we were to kind of zoom out and they're thinking about how they describe themselves, how they would explain themselves to others, how they see themselves as these attributes, how could we think about removing those to find ourselves more. Yeah. So it's not to say that being funny isn't a gift, mm. but is being funny your purpose, mm. right? It may be something that helps to amplify your purpose. Mm. Being funny, I think, is always something, no matter what we're working on, right? To investigate when was the first moment, and there's a practice in the luminous self called the timeline practice that allows you to go back in time to deliberate, it's in Sanskrit, it's known as vichara, to deliberate on something until you find the source of it. So wouldn't it be interesting to go back in time to find the source of the moment that you discovered that funny was something that gave you a validation? validation. (laughs) Or maybe funny was Mm -hmm. something that kept you safe, safe, Mm -hmm. right? Totally. And so to just be in that origin point of the funny recognize that, okay, here's the origin point. I know what the seed is, but I also know that I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy the levity. And this is something that I can utilize to amplify my purpose. But let me be really clear about what my purpose really is. What would be some examples so that people could understand, you know, and obviously it's like you can't tell people what their purpose is, but the purpose (laughs) conversation is hard because you're like, it's one of those things, again, with spirituality where you're like, is it this simple? It is very simple. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting because I, you mentioned before that these teachings are very advanced, mm-hmm. right? And the truth of the matter is, is that they're actually very simple. Mm-hmm. Our minds are the ones that are complicated. Yeah. These are practices that are thousands of years old. They're also practices that you may have heard of from indigenous wisdom and It takes us back to the core essence where we can start to strip away all the distractions and all the complications to get back to what really matters. So there's a practice in the book that is another practice that kind of takes you into the future to a moment of death, which I think is really important for us to Mm -hmm. contemplate. And in that moment of death, you can kind of come to what is the most important for you. And when you come to that what is most important to you in those last moments of your life? Why wait until the last moments of your life to make your life about the last few minutes of your life about that? Instead, what would happen if you brought this to the now, to the present moment, and you began to infuse that quality, whatever it is, into everything that you do? 
And then whatever is in your life that you might be working on or whatever relationship it is, if it's not in alignment with the frequency of that, then you have to question, is this really life-affirming for me or is this something that I need to release? And I think that starts to get our purpose really clear because purpose is not the same as having a career. Purpose, in my opinion, is really about how you do things. What is the frequency of everything that you do? And everything that you do then becomes intentional. And so if we were to think about that, the frequency conversation and that frequency connection, there's a lot of people listening. If we were to think about career, you're like, it's not career. I'm like, but I want to bring it back. Bring it back to Bring the it career. back, baby. Yeah. So if they're in a career or a mm-hmm. job that's unaligned. Right. And they're just sort of waking up to themselves and, and to who they are. And then they kind of have a frequency shift. They have things start to sort of happen. Mm-hmm. What do you think will be experienced on their journey of their awakening? Do you feel like if we focus on the frequency and who we are as number one, the number one goal, that everything else will just externally fall into place? I think that it definitely can. Mm -hmm. I think that the first thing that has to happen once you have that awakening of this is the frequency of what's important in my life. It's an underlying core frequency of who I am. Mm -hmm that you have to become the frequency, right? You can't be in a place where you're, you yourself are not in alignment with the frequency, mm. right? So once you, let's say, become the frequency, that frequency is emanating, things will start to magnetize towards you. And it makes me remember a moment when I was producing films in Hollywood and things were starting to seem to be very toxic on a lot of different levels. And I was doing a film And there was this trifecta of myself, Forrest Whitaker, and the director, Tim Bowie. And we all said, you know what? We really want to have great energy on this set. Instead of really focusing on everybody's resume, obviously we want people who are skilled and know what they're doing. Let's focus on the energy. And if the energy doesn't feel like it's in alignment, then let's not move forward with hiring this person. And we all did that. And it was one of the most incredible experiences on set ever. And I got email after email after email because it shifted the intention alone of feeling into the energy and into the frequency of who we were meeting and what it felt like to be, what did my nervous system feel like to be in the presence of this person, knowing that I was going to be with them for the next month and a half. Yeah, I love the nervous system component. And I think it's also interesting in that experience because the resume is the personality almost. Correct. The resume is the ego. The resume is what we want you to know, what we like about ourselves, what yeah. you can come. But your energy signature and your essence, who you are is what's felt and who you are is just, it's hard to describe. And in that experience, were you able to, what I think is so fascinating is that we're talking about the unseen. That's right. You know, it's like, for me, it makes sense. For you, I'm sure it makes sense as women, as intuitive Mm -hmm. beings. But I think a lot of times in those spaces, say it's in Hollywood, say it's at people's jobs or other work, they know what's happening and they know when they feel good around people, but it's like, they wouldn't give themselves the permission to say, let's just hire based on vibes. Right. But I think that that's the part of the problem of the overculture. Yeah. Is What's the, an overculture? Overculture is like mainstream culture. Got it. Right. Mm-hmm. The advertising, yep. the marketing, yep. all of the things, right? The overculture does not want us to tune in to our own inner knowing because marketing, advertising, 
different structures really benefit when we externalize our knowing, when we look outward for understanding of who we are. The understanding and the knowing of who you are is not out there. It's in here. And so it is very subtle. And so I think that part of our journey, no matter what part of the journey that you're on, if you're just starting to become curious about these things, is to really start to listen to your intuition, where you could actually go back in time and you can make a list of all the times that you had a really powerful intuition, but that you didn't listen to. And what were the consequences of that? When were the times that you had a really powerful intuition and you did listen? And what were the benefits of it? And then just start to notice that intuition itself has a frequency. Mm-hmm. What this requires, this unseen, like being in the, the realm of the unseen, is a little bit more stillness a little bit more spaciousness, and being able to pause. Again, mainstream culture doesn't want you to pause. It wants you to keep going. It wants you to believe that if you're in the doing, you're going to be successful, you're going to be loved, you're going to be celebrated, right? But first of all, you have to learn to celebrate yourself. And in order to do that, you have to be in the stillness. You have to be okay with silence. And that's something that we're really not okay with in this culture. So I think that there are tools, but they do require you being comfortable with pausing and stopping to notice. Mm. For you, what have been examples of a time where you listened and maybe a time that you didn't to your intuition? Oh, my goodness. We can go. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, how long do you have? (laughs) You know, I would say I'll relate it to a relationship Mm -hmm. where there was a person that I met many, many years ago. I've been in relationship and married now for a long time. But there was someone that I met, I'm going to say this was maybe 20 years ago. (laughs) And when I first met this person, I was like, oh, this is a no. Like, this could be a friend, but this is a no. And they kept kind of chipping away and giving me all of the things that, and when I say giving, meaning the attention, the affection, all of the things that they somehow intuited was important to me. And so here's the personality coming back again for the validation of, oh, I'm getting this. I'm getting this, this attention. I'm getting this, you know, what I would now call, because I didn't have these words before, but like love bombing, right? But that feels good because it's like a dopamine rush. And so even though my personality, my ego was being fed, The wounded parts of me were being fed, but the intuition I was pushing to the side because the ego and the personality is very powerful. Mm. I love the visual of the wounded child or the hungry ghost or, Mm. yeah, I just, yeah, I love that because you can really see that aspect of you that's in need of that to feel better. That's right. And then getting that is like, okay. We're good. Yeah. It's We're like, safe. it's okay. I don't need to listen to the intuition over here, right? Until I did, mm-hmm. you know, until not listening to the intuition was going to be more painful. Yeah. And you end up dating? We ended up dating. Okay. We ended up getting married. <laughs> it's a whole You're story. like, I'll do you better. <laughs> It's a whole story. And, you know, the funny thing, this is like really funny, which is why I love journaling and I love free writing 
free writing is a little bit different than journaling. It's basically when you kind of wake up first thing in the morning or right after a meditation and you just write, 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 write without worrying about structure, without worrying about grammar. It's just a way to get things out. So this person wound up having an affair. Yet when I went back into my journals, I had actually written out the well, how the relationship was going to end. And I didn't find it until like three or four months later. And I was like, oh, I wrote out exactly what was going to end this relationship and how it was going to happen in detail, meaning that my intuition already knew it already saw the signs. It had already pieced together like string theory exactly what was going to happen. And I didn't listen. Not only did I not listen, but I didn't remember. So this is what the luminous self is about. It's about remembering. The practices to help you remember. Wow. So you just would write and you wouldn't even look. No, it was a practice of free totally. writing. Yep. Basically, I'm not dwelling. It was just yep. like, I'm writing. I'm not Let dwelling on this. A few months later, when I was moving out of the house and I had all the journals, I was looking through the journals and I was like, oh my God, like I forgot that I wrote this. And here, this is basically a prophecy of the future. So I only have myself to blame <laughs> in that case. Don't we all? Because I, I wasn't paying attention, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, I was distracted. I was, you know, just not paying attention. So interesting because, you know, there's obviously free will or there's timelines. It's like, you know, your soul's speaking to you and your soul's like, no, this ain't it. And then there's also that part of our experience here being incarnated in bodies, Mm -hmm. where we are here to learn lessons. That's right. And we are here to be on this path and we're here to do these things. So it's so interesting because it's like, sometimes I feel like I'll go through things and I'm like, oh, my soul wanted to do that. 100%. I don't regret that yeah. time yeah. at all mm -hmm. because that taught me so many different lessons that I never have to learn again. And I wouldn't be able to help other people create these kind of moments of remembrance, of stillness, of pause, of understanding what are the practices to help you not be in this situation, but to live in a way that's fully life-affirming. If I hadn't gone through those experiences from being an 11-year-old kid and being bullied to having that experience later, 20 years ago, and then being able to just be in a new space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were you bullied for? Who knows? I was bullied for my glasses. Mm. I was bullied because I was super skinny, because I was different, because I was playing the clarinet and the violin, mm. all the things, my hair, so many different things I was bullied for. But there were, it's one particular incident that I talk about in the book mm. that shaped a personality. It shaped a personality of being introverted, of making myself invisible of not wanting to be seen as outwardly successful or different in a way. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting how trauma or like, you know, trauma, negative experiences like that. Yeah. That's very interesting to think about what have you gone through in your life that has created your personality or how you see yourself that actually is incorrect. Yeah. And this is the first part of the book to really take you through a couple of practices and a couple of inquiries to lead you back to just start to peel back the layers a little bit. So there's timeline 
They can do the timeline practice. They can do the timeline practice. And then the death. There's a couple of death practices later on in the book. What would you say on your deathbed? What would you say you like? What would you have written in that death practice? Love. I think about relate. I'm like, maybe that's I'm like, is that immature? But I'm like relationships like people. But I guess that's love. And I guess Mm. I love my animals, too. So that would be love. Yeah. I mean, when you listen to the practice and the great thing about Shambhala is they let me record a bunch of these practices, this being one of them that you can listen to. It takes less than five minutes with your journal and you can get really clear very quickly. So if we're going to go with love, right, is there anything? Now I'm asking you a question, but maybe there's something. I'm Mm going to say maybe. Mm -hmm. So for anyone who's listening, maybe there's something in your life or there's a relationship in your life. Mm -hmm that is not in alignment with love. Mm-hmm. Do you want to keep going with it? Just got divorced, Tracy. <laughs> I did it, okay? Done. <laughs> Done. Check mark. I'm ahead of my timeline, <laughs> says my Vedic astrologer. <laughs> and that's the way you want to be, Yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. like because you can feel into that or you can be in that inquiry. Yeah. And then you can make choices that are again, life affirming for you and not depleting and exhausting. Mm. And usually when something is in alignment with that theme or that frequency, it feels enlivening. And when it's not, it feels depleting. It feels exhausting. It feels maybe even sad. Oh, y'all, I am wearing my shorts and my skirts and my dresses and my legs are out and I'm just so excited about it because I have my Osea Andaria Algae Body Oil and it is keeping me glowing. (laughs) It's making my legs and my arms look just so fresh, so alive, to be honest, and so young. Um, I love this product. It is from Osea Malibu. They just know what they're doing over there. They've been doing it for over 28 years. Skincare is their jam. It's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and is clinically proven, okay? It's infused with seaweed, which is the star of the show here, and I just love the products. They really work. So the body oil is so rich, but it's never greasy, Okay, and it's clinically proven to improve skin elasticity immediately. It's visibly firming your skin and makes the skin feel more sculpted and toned, which we love. It's so amazing. Overnight, you can do this during the day or overnight. I do it overnight, but I love the Andaria Algae Body Butter because I would just wake up so insanely moisturized. It's indulgent and it's really great for crepey skin. I'll put it on my knees and my elbows and anywhere that's like kind of dry. It's clinically proven to hydrate for 72 hours. It just transforms the skin. You're going to be obsessed. And then finally, the anti aging body balm. Yo, I mean, hello. Silky lotion serum. It just melts into my skin. I feel like it lifts and tightens and tones all over. I'm obsessed. Perfect for summer, baby. So glow from the inside out with clean vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code A30POD at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order. They're so good about that. And free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code A30. 30pod, A30pod for 10% off. 
Okay, this app has been with me through seasons of wanting to prevent pregnancy and also get pregnant. The app is Natural Cycles. It is a leading women's health company that they created the world's first FDA-cleared birth control app. So the app's algorithm uses hormone-driven changes in body temperature to let users know when they're fertile and not fertile. It is so easy, y'all. Every single morning I wake up, I have the uh, thermometer on my bedside table, and then I take my temperature, I input the temperature into the app, and boom, there you go. Um, It is 93% effective with typical use and 98% effective with perfect use. It's pretty incredible. Um, I know a lot of people are just thinking about their birth control. Uh, A lot of people are going off hormonal birth control. This is an incredible incredible, incredible option for you. I've been using it for a couple years now. Um, and again, it is so easy. So the algorithm uses the body temperature to determine where a user is at in their cycle. The more they measure, the more data it will have. Um, and if you have an aura ring, by the way, it syncs with your aura ring and it'll take your temperature automatically. Pretty cool. You can trust Natural Cycles for the past 10 years. They have been setting the precedent for non-hormonal and non-invasive birth control without sacrificing effectiveness. They were the first to introduce a birth control app, the first to receive FDA clearance as a birth control app, and the first birth control app to integrate with that wearable device, the Aura Ring. They're the best. I'm excited for you all. Listen, as our listener, you are going to get a discount plus a free thermometer gravy. Use code almost 30 at naturalcycles.com to get 15% off an annual subscription plus a free thermometer. That's naturalcycles.com. You're going to use the code almost 30 to get 15% off an annual membership and a free thermometer. One of the things that I think is so interesting is thinking about and this was in your more so in your first book, but I did want to talk about it here with the, about rest mm. is, you know, I think a lot of people have the idea that if they rest, they won't be able to achieve their dreams or they won't be able to have that partner or have the abundance or have all these things. We really tie rest to something that is only necessary if we've earned it. Mm-hmm. And rest is something that will work against what we really want in life. How has rest shown you otherwise? Rest has shown me so much otherwise. I would not have been able to write two books if I wasn't rested. My creativity comes from being rested. I just led a writer's retreat in New Mexico, and the whole theme of the retreat was resting and creating. So we would rest, and then we would have time to create. And what the feedback from that experience with people was like, wow, I didn't understand that if I was rested, if I was allowing myself to kind of be, hover in this place of the in-between, that that rest would become my muse, that I would literally be able to receive information and inspiration that I couldn't hear before because my mind was too busy and I was not rested and I was actually too exhausted to write or be creative. So for me, I feel like rest allows me to be productive in a way that is life-affirming for me. It's really important. And I, again, I would say that the industrial culture does not want you to rest. It's like we've become out of tune with nature. If we think about this idea before industrialization, before there was a light bulb, we were completely in connection with the sun rising and the sun setting. 
And that was what kind of created our work day, right? We're out of tune with that. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what the phase of the moon is unless you do, <laughs> yeah. right? We have yeah. no idea what time the sun rises or the sun sets because everything is set up for us to continue doing and doing and doing and that our worth is based on how much we can do, how much we can achieve. Well, the news is that if you're rested, you can actually do more things well and more things that are in alignment with who you're really meant to be and what you're meant to be doing in a way that feels good for you. So I know that it's hard to believe, but I think if people try it, try it with a practice like yoga nidra that's a guided practice. It's not about you have to take an hour-long nap every day. You can rest in five minutes, mm-hmm. you know. And if you do that every day, I guarantee you that life will change. Mm. Yeah. What would are some, because I do want to get tactical on the rest because mm-hmm. I do feel like it seems simple, but I don't think people necessarily know how to create or integrate rest into their life. Right. So the first thing I think we should say is that sleeping is not resting, right? Sleeping can be restful when you wake up, but it is not resting. Intentional rest is about you deciding that you're going to take five or 10 minutes to actually lie down and be in the state of non-doing which means that you're not lying down scrolling or doing something else or listening to a podcast even. You are lying down. You're allowing your eyes to close. You're basically withdrawing your senses inward. So you're drawing your senses that are normally externalized all the way in. And the easiest way to do that is to maybe even just notice your breath. Notice that your navel rises and falls as you inhale and exhale. You can begin to slowly count backwards. You can listen to a Yoga Nidra recording. There's lots of them on YouTube. I have five or six of them that are related to my book, Radiant Rest, the first one that you can download for free. They're all over the place. Find somebody whose voice you really resonate with that feels trustful and safe for you. And just allow yourself to release and let go. You'll start to notice the first few times you do it, you might notice, oh, wow, I didn't realize that my mind is constantly going. And can I find the space in between the thoughts? And when I find the space in between the thoughts, then I can start to rest in that space. Yeah, there was this clip that I heard on social media. And it was basically around neuroscience talking about rest and how oftentimes, like you said, people will have their phones and they will still be active on their phones thinking that they're resting, but rest actually doesn't happen that way because our nervous system is still activated because it's connected to the phone. And so it's actually not really doing what we think it's doing. But it's interesting because then on the other hand, people kind of numb with the phone. So it feels like resting, but it's like you've kind of checked out to reality. Yeah, that's really scary to me because we've gotten so far away from the real quality of rest. That becoming in a trance by scrolling somehow feels restful. So if we think about the brainwave state, right now, maybe the people who are listening are in like a low beta. When we're scrolling, we're activated into a high beta. We're activated into the kind of brainwave state that if we were at a party or if we were hosting a party and we were saying hi to everybody, that we'd be a little bit in like an elevated state. 
the moment you close your eyes and you begin to bring your awareness inward, you're starting to move more into an alpha state. Where yoga nidra and rest practices take you are to either a theta or delta brainwave state, which are the places where not only healing happens, but creativity happens. And so if you think about some of these amazing artists and scientists like Albert Einstein, Salvador Dali, they use sleep and rest as a portal to creativity. So they would hold on to like a, a metal pan that had little metal pellets in it, and they would lean back and they would close their eyes and allow themselves to move into that hypnagogic space, that space in between being awake and being asleep. And the minute they started to feel as though they were falling asleep, the hand would start to release and the balls would fall to the ground and wake them up. And immediately they would start writing or drawing or painting because it was a place of creativity. And they knew that that was the secret place of creativity. So when we think about this idea that rest is not productive, that there's there you're going to miss out because that's another thing from the culture like oh if you go to sleep or if you you're going to don't fall asleep to this thing right you're going to miss out on it what are we really missing out on what we're missing out on when we're distracted is we're missing out of the truth of our own soul the truth of our own knowing our own creativity our own ideas how many times have has someone had an inspiration or an idea and then the next thing you know, you see someone else has done it. Is it because you were resting and creating and being in tune with your frequency of knowing? Or is it because you were too distracted? I agree. And then also I think there's sometimes like collective themes. Sometimes we're like, oh, we're, I was like, oh, we're on this tip. Yeah, there's definitely collective themes. Yeah. I used to see that when I was a film producer. Yeah. But, and we all have our unique offering for that yeah. theme. It doesn't mean that just because someone else has done it, that it's not for you. But if you aren't able to tune in to your purpose, then it makes it more difficult for you to know what's yours and how and you want to offer it into the world. Yeah. And it's it was an idea. And it's almost like if I would have tuned in enough to my own unique essence of it, which I am, it's not like I haven't, but I probably wouldn't have seen it as like, oh, that's that my idea. Because mm -hmm. you're like, oh, mine has its own unique flavor. So you'd have more confidence around yours being its own unique flavor. That's right. Or message. I feel like with women, you know, there's a lot of women in our community that listen. It feels especially hard for them to rest because I feel like women have been, are now 50% of the income. They're now working. They're mothers. They now have side hustles. They want to do everything. And they want to be everything. And it's like been really interesting to watch our community, other communities, my friends just go through this process of completely burning out Yeah, on this path. You don't want to wait until you burn mm -hmm. to learn about rest. No, I luckily, thank God, I actually found these practices of yoga nidra and deep relaxation like the week that I was in my first job, my first real job at producing films. So I didn't have that experience, but I watched other people and continue to watch that happen. And so I think that if we think about this idea of rest as part of our wellness hygiene, the same way in which you would 
get a massage every week, the same way in which you get your nails done, right? The yeah. same way in which just think about it as part of your hygiene. It's part of your mental health hygiene. It's part of your wellness hygiene. And it's necessary. It shouldn't be, and I know that it's hard to say because our culture has told us that we're getting penalized for resting, right? That resting is somehow shameful. But we have to reclaim that power for women, especially the, the power of rest is a feminine power of nurturing. It's a feminine power of allowing holding to happen, to receive holding so that you can also give the holding, especially as a mother. It's important for us to understand what the vibration of being rested feels like. It's a powerful place to be. My opinion is when you are a rested person, you are the most powerful person in the room. Yeah, people approach you different. People communicate with you differently, you know, like as a friend, lover, sister, all the things that you are, the experience that you have with people is just so different. Well, you, your frequency, your nervous system entrains everybody else's nervous system in the space or in the home. So if you want your home to be calm and spacious, Rest. Explain entrainment. Entrainment is essentially, I think of it like an attunement, right? Sometimes maybe people notice this with people who are very extroverted and like excited that someone, we could be sitting here having a chat and someone comes in and the energy completely changes. If I'm rested, I have the ability to be able to send that frequency out in a way without even unconsciously and it becomes the tune for the room. If I don't, then I'm pulled in to whoever is the most powerful presence in the space. And so as mothers and as parents in general, we want to be rested. We want to learn spaciousness and silence because it will affect everyone in the household. You know, if we were to think about rest and rest is like what prevents us from rest, mm. it can really be a good indicator of where what healing work we need to do or how we need to reframe the way we look at ourselves or how we can love ourselves more. Because say, as an example, you know, I used to never rest because I had this desire to be successful, had this desire to make more money. I had this desire to be seen. I had this desire to be everything. I would put it around like fulfilling my life's purpose, which has kernels of truth, but obviously is, has a lot of non-truths in it. And it's like using that as where do I think I'm not worthy of all of these things? Or where do I think I'm not successful? Where do I think I'm not abundant? Yeah. Where do I think I'm not these things? So I think it's interesting for the audience or for people listening, like what is stopping you from resting? Yes, I love that inquiry. And I would also offer that the question that I like to ask, have people ask themselves is who modeled rest for you? What messages did you receive about the worth of rest growing up? I would say for me that rest had to be earned. Right. It was, I even have caught myself saying that. I'm like, it feels so good when you can sit down after running a marathon. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, it's, you know, I've done, I've done a lot. So I deserve rest. Yeah. You had to deserve rest. You mm -hmm. had to earn it. Yeah. And who modeled rest for you? Who showed you what rest and self-care looked like? My mom. Okay. And how does she show you? Not in a good way. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Right. No. So. No shade. So there. So there's the thing. Right. It's that moment of silence when we ask this question: Who modeled rest for yeah. you? Most of us are like, Oh my gosh. I, yeah. I don't have an answer yeah. for that. So what that means is we have to pick up and be the lineage shifters. We have to show our children. We have to show our sisters how to rest because no one showed us for the most part. The rest was something that was shameful, that needed to be earned, and in some cases could have been Mm life-threatening. My ancestors, some of them were enslaved, and if they were caught resting, their lives probably depended Mm -hmm. on that. Those messages are in our DNA. They are part of us, and in order for us to be truly healthy, we have to shift that. Yeah, I love that thought of like resting for your lineage. That's right. You know, resting for your ancestors, resting for all the times when you couldn't get rest. I had a friend that, you know, you don't want to get to the point where you're like hurting yourself, but she broke her foot. And mm. I was like, use this time to rest for all the times when you wish you could have rested. Right. I did a darkness retreat a few months ago, and I just remember resting in a way Mm. I never thought was possible. Did you do the one in Oregon? Mm -hmm. I'm doing that one in March for my birthday. Amazing. When's your birthday? March 27th. 27th. I'm excited for you. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for myself. You're going to crush. Yeah, I can't wait. You're going to like, it's not going to be anything. I hope it's something. That's why I'm going. It'll be something, but I think you'll be able to. But yeah, in in it, which you'll experience, the rest that is accessible to you from not having any sensory input, mm-hmm. having your phone, having anyone else, having anything. It's like the nothingness, the darkness, the blackness mm-hmm. is unlike anything you've ever experienced. You could be mm-hmm. in your room and there's still some light. Mm-hmm. You can't even see your hand in front of you. You can't see anything yeah. in front of you. And the way that I felt when I left that, the way that my body felt, I don't think, I didn't move much mm-hmm. for four days. Mm-hmm. And normal me is like, I have to walk 10,000 steps. Right. Got to do all these things. And I didn't move and I felt better in my body than I have in so long because mm. my body was able to just like. Yeah. Yeah. Just all the cells combining and just softening and being. And it made me feel like, yeah, it was like, oh, this might be necessary as a reset, but also creating opportunities where you can kind of tap into that more yes. regularly. It's available to us at Mm -hmm. all times. Mm -hmm. It really is. We just have to make the choice. Mm. I'm excited for you. We can talk about, I have so much to say. (laughs) Really good peanut butter and jelly sandwiches came as the food. That was one of my favorite parts. PBJs. I am juggling quite a bit lately. (laughs) I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how 
passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets, whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. Um, it's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste amazing unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. There's also a concept that you talk about, which I think is so interesting. It's called the koshas. Mm -hmm. What is that? I've never heard of that. Oh, yeah. The koshas are the layers of being that Mm. cover the soul. And so we can think about this question again, right, of the personality. If I were to ask you, who are you? The first thing you, you, most of us are like, oh, this is who I am. I'm this body. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is that- Our audience is like, I am a projector. (laughs) (laughs) I am a Sagittarius sign. I'm a manifesting (laughs) generator. They use all the spiritual tools to be like, this is who I am. (laughs) And so if we think about these five layers of being, there is the food body, which is our physical body. Mm -hmm. There is the energetic body. There's the mental body. There is the knowing body. And then there's the bliss body. And that all of those bodies cover the soul. And the idea of spiritual Mm -hmm. practice in some traditions is that you transcend these layers so that you can actually know the self. You can actually know the light of your own soul because they're all coverings of the soul. How would the bliss body be covering your soul? Because there's still an ego. There's still a part of you that's saying, I feel blissful. I am blissful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that has the I feel, not like I am, right? Yeah would be you, that you you are something that cannot be spoken about in words yeah i think that's the thing cuz it's in, you know when i think about personality i'm like what words what words to describe and i think that's what gets it's not tricky it's not challenging it just makes it the paradox that when you think about who you really are it doesn't have words right i did a really beautiful ceremony with my dear friends in paris and we did mushrooms. We didn't plan to be doing full-on ceremony, but in it, I was like, I have no words. I don't want to process. I don't want to say anything. I have nothing to say. Is this like, and I was like, oh, the future is not 
saying anything. Mm-hmm. The future yeah. is no words. Right. It's not a thinking. It's not a thinking into. It's mm-hmm. a knowing into. It's a reclaiming. So reclaiming, and this is the whole thing with podcasting. It's like, you're like, how can we mind and words <laughs> all of this? I'm like, I know you want to say we're feeling it, but I'm like, but we've got things to record. Yeah. So what would you say your journey with leaving the personality behind? I don't know how you even say it because it's like, we don't want to leave it behind. Working mm. with the personality and reclaiming who you really are. Well, many things. One is, I think the first question that people can ask that might be easier is, who am I not? Right. There's a practice in the book for that. Who am I not? I'm not introverted. If I was introverted, I wouldn't be here. There is a part of me that's introverted, that learned to be introverted. And in that introversion, what happened for me was that I actually learned to be a deep listener. I actually learned that I could trust my intuition. I actually learned that I could see in ways that were not the normal way of seeing. And so that introversion that was born out of a moment of bullying actually became a portal into one of my greatest gifts. This is the thing that allows me to sit with people as a mentor or a coach or a teacher and also allows me to be with my teachers and hear and sense things that might not be said in the different realm, (laughs) right? On the other hand, I've learned also when to be extroverted and how to be extroverted, but to do it in a restful way so that it doesn't become exhausting for me. I've learned that love is something that comes in many different flavors. And so my teaching for me is a form of love. And if I can share my love and teaching in any way, The way that I want that love to be expressed is through practices that help people to get free, that help people to understand that they are worthy, that they are already whole, that they are already well. And then to be able to express that in the world powerfully, that's my gift. That's what I have to offer. That's what I'm here for. I'm very clear about that. Yeah. The worth conversation. I think when I think about myself and my parts, there is a part where I'm like, I am worthy. And then there's parts that are not. What have been some practices that have supported your inherent worthiness? Well, the first thing is being able to do that timeline practice to take me back to those moments that created the messages that I'm not worthy. And then there is a practice also in the book around transforming personality transforming those parts of the personality that are unhelpful, that are not true. That's been one of the biggest lessons, the biggest Mm -hmm. practices, the biggest transformations that I've been able to hold. Because then I feel like what's happened, we talked about that vibration. When there's a vibration of something that is not true, that's also real. Being able to be still enough, again, this is why rest is so important. Being able to listen, being able to pause, Being able to be in a restful state allows you to immediately feel into, oh, this feels off. We've all been in a situation where someone walks into the room or someone says something and it's like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Can we actually turn that to ourselves when we have a belief that's running in our own head? 
that all of a sudden comes through, can we be in such a state that we can feel into, this doesn't quite feel in alignment. Let me investigate this. And investigation means that you have to have the spaciousness to do it. You have to think enough of yourself. You have to hold yourself in high enough regard to want to have the space, take the space to investigate. And sometimes that means that you need a trusted friend or you have a therapist that you love or a mentor that you love, someone that can reflect back to you the truth. I love the phrase, help me see the truth. Yeah. Help me see the truth. Because I, and I love that. Even thinking about, I was thinking about as like a house. Mm. You know, if there was a thought, I am not worthy or I am stupid, I am whatever. It is true because it's like you wouldn't let someone with bad vibes in your house. You wouldn't let that type of thought inside your experience and let alone stay and then make it a part of your personality. Right. But we do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We do because we're distracted. Yes. And again, the overculture keeps telling us that we're not worthy. To keep buying. Yeah. And so the minute you start to investigate that, you start to see, oh, this is how it's working. It's like, I'm not worthy unless I buy this cream, right? I'm not beautiful unless I buy this shawl. And it's not to say, this is not, you know, to say, don't have beautiful things, don't take care of your skin, but know that they don't make you any more worthy because you already are worthy. Yeah, I love the investigation and inquiry. And I think for a lot of people, their purpose and a life that they love is really on the other side of making enough space for rest, you know, for things to come through, for the static to clear, for Mm. the nervous system to reset, for all of the blueprints and ideas that they get from overculture, they get from society to just kind of dissipate. And it's just, I think for a lot of people, it's always like, is it that simple? It is that simple. I mean, you know, it's it seems so counterintuitive. And if we can think about this idea of simplicity, what in your life could you simplify? If you were to pause now and just think about what are the things that are distracting me on a constant basis and write that list down of these are the ways that I waste time. These are the ways that I'm distracted. These are the things that I'm doing that are not life affirming, that are exhausting and depleting. Pick a few things on that list that you want to let go. And you don't have to do it for the rest of your life. Do it for 30 days. I'm going to let these things go for 30 days. And in that spaciousness, I'm going to rest. In that spaciousness, I'm going to tune in to just deep listening. What wants to come? Start to notice how much more creative you are, how much more vibrant. After 30 days, I guarantee you, forget whatever cream you want to put on your face. Someone's going to tell you, wow, something about you has changed. You're different. You seem calmer. There's such a beauty to your frequency when you have more light coming through, when you're just more yourself. Like You can shapeshift when you're resting when you are getting in touch with your soul and when you are prioritizing the things that really bring you joy. One of the ways that I really love to connect with myself and just be in reverence and is nature. And I know you love nature and especially living where you live now, Mm -hmm. your ability to tune into the elements and your ability to connect to mother earth is so beautiful. What are some of the ways in which you stay in conversation and communion with mother earth? I love that. Two words that you just said is communion and reverence, which I think are really important. Communion and reverence are so important because a lot of us love nature. 
right? We go for a walk and we feel better when we're in nature. But a lot of times we're going to nature to receive something, to receive that reset, to receive that, oh, there's awe and wonder here and beauty here. And it's a very extractive way of being. And so I would love for people to be in a reframe around this idea of reverence and communion, because what that means to me and what's really important in my practice is this idea of reciprocity. How can you be in a space where you are also giving and not just taking? And if we think about this idea, and, and some of these ideas come from indigenous cultures, they come from modern spiritual ecology and ecotherapy. And it's really about this idea that if the earth is not well, we're not well. So what can you give when you go to the ocean? Whether it's just your gratitude, whether it's a prayer, whether it's an offering of flowers, something to be in that reverence. Because if you think about it, and part of what gets revealed when you do these practices is that we are nature. Our true nature is nature. As above, so below. What we see in the macrocosm is in the microcosm that's in our bodies. So all of these patterns that are in the universe are the same patterns that are inside of us. If it feels difficult to honor yourself and to feel that you are worthy, take it outside and remember the worthiness and the beauty of nature in a reciprocal way and let that reflect back to you. It's one of the most important things that we can do in our time right now. Because whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we are in grief over the climate. We are in grief over so many things that we have not acknowledged. And that's exhausting. But when we can acknowledge it, then we actually understand, oh, maybe there's something that I'm inspired to do about this. Whether it's just a simple ceremony, like I said, whether it's a prayer, that has the kind of ability to shift things internally for us. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about, I did a podcast recently on just like interesting facts about nature, mm. like about like Japanese forest bathing or about grounding or about just interesting things. And I also did like a little bit of history of how we've been disconnected in nature. And a lot of that was through like the church. A lot of that was through like specific scientists over time and it's just so fascinating that that is one of the, like the most important lessons of our time to come back to recognizing that we are connected to and a part of nature yeah we really have to you know there's there's many things coming for us as a society in the way of climate change that we're going to need to reckon with sooner than later. And so I think that it's really important for us to understand that we are nature. We're not separate. I was just doing my, when you walked in the intro outro for Zach Bush, and I just love his work on that too, because it's also, it's so crazy when you think about all the ways it's like our gut, the soil, huh? our, you know, it's just That's everything. Right. You're like, what? How is this also, it's fascinating. And I think I get super bummed when we have a culture that sometimes kind of sees, is just like, oh, the world's going to end. Mm. Kind of that like, just negative view on earth. Like earth is so magnificent. Earth is magnificent. Humans are magnificent. And humans are magnificent, but we're also not superior to earth and no. all the beings that are on earth. Yeah. So when there is a space of human supremacy, mm. it's very easy yeah. to feel like, this is something separate. Mm -hmm. This is a thing. This is an inanimate object. 
right? The beings are inanimate objects that are subservient to me as a human. That's not going to get us anywhere. I love also in the book, the dream work and dream ritual. Mm. I'm a big dreamer. I do my dream journal and I just have been so grateful for what my dreams have showed me in my subconscious and the way in which I can work with them and all the messages that I have with them. Every night before bed, I ask something of my dreams. I ask to do something. I ask to work on something. Sometimes it's just fun and light. I'm like, mm-hmm. take me to where my angels live. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, let's work on this thing. What has been your journey with using your dreams as ritual, especially as it relates to the luminous self? Yeah, dreams are a valid source of knowing. And so it is really important that Whether you are a dreamer or consider yourself to be a dreamer or not, some of us have really vivid dreams. And there's some of us who are like, I don't dream. I haven't dreamed in in decades, right? There's always some little fragment, some little thread. And so the dream journal is so important to be able to pull those threads forward into the waking state, even if it's just a fragment, so that you can be in a space of having more information, more messages, more wisdom in a way that is not in the scene. It's not in the, in the, it's in the subtle realm. We have to start to respect these places of the subtle energies and the subtle realms because there is wisdom there for us. So for me, I can give you, there was so many, I talk about this in the book, there's so many dreams this is recent history that came through during the pandemic. With you or collective? With both. Wow. So first during, for myself, because we were isolated and I was Mm -hmm. doing all this dream work and writing in my journal and having visions of certain things in my dreams. And then I have a few dreamer friends that we Mm -hmm. would start comparing dreams. It's powerful. Especially during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And there was running themes that were going through the dreams that were really powerful. And those dreams, what I would say later, probably that would have been almost two and a half years later, maybe two years later, were like prophecies of seeing certain things that happened in history. And we could go back to, do you remember we had this conversation? And, or I would have somebody email me or call me, oh my God, I remember you told me about this dream. We talked about these dreams we were having and look what's happening right now in the world. So pandemic dreams, I think, were very powerful for people. I think the pandemic dreams were not, I think I know, just from doing research, that it was really the first time in history where people were collectively sharing their dreams. There were a hashtag called Corona Dreams where people started sharing their dreams and they did research about this. And some of the research was that the people who were closer to epicenters of illness during COVID were having dreams related to the virus. And there were other people who were having way different dreams. So for me, That became a really potent time of not only noticing the power of my own dreams, but the power of the collective dream. And I have a a dear friend, her name is Chanti Takarante Perez, and she is a dream expert. And she was also holding collective dream experiences. And so the it it was just an incredible experience. Some of the retreats that we teach together 
are around collective dreaming and then bringing those collective dreams out into the material, whether through drawing or through dance or through spoken word. And so what I know is that I listen to my dreams. I feel again that there's, when you receive a message through the dream feels a little bit different than just an ordinary dream that we might consider where we're processing emotions or the things that happen during the day. And I learned to pay attention to those messages because they have been potent over time. My recent move from Topanga Canyon to where I live now, just outside of Santa Fe, was really sparked by a dream. I was ready to shift spaces. My husband and I were looking at many different places along the West Coast of where we thought we might want to move. And I said, let me seed this in a dream. And I seeded the question before I went to sleep in the space of the heart and in the throat and went to sleep. And what came forward in that liminal space was the planet Jupiter. I won't go into the whole dream because I also think that dreams are sacred. But the planet Jupiter came in along with her moons. And they told me all these different things. And in the space between being asleep and being awake, Santa Fe dropped in. And within a couple of weeks, we were on a road trip because it was during the pandemic. And we went on a road trip and drove from L.A. to Santa Fe. My husband had never been there. And here we are two and a half years later almost, and we're living in Santa Fe. And it has been the most beautiful, expansive experience of both of our lives. Interesting, Jupiter, planet of expansion, you know, kind of the symbolism there. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I think as women, we have this power with dreams. I think part of you know, in previous cultures was spending time talking about dreams, indigenous cultures talking about dreams, native cultures talking about dreams. And I think it's a superpower that we don't tap into enough or we don't take seriously enough. Not it's like taking seriously in a specific way, but mm-hmm. it's like just recognizing that we have access to magic with dreams. You know? I totally like, agree with you. We just have this, I think people want to experience more magic. And that's what I love about dreams mm-hmm. is it's like, no one really knows what's going on. Yeah. I don't know that we'll ever really know. And I'm totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that just like rest, where, you know, there, I feel like, you know, one of the things that you said at the very beginning is this advanced idea of rest. I think dreams is another one where I really see that five years from now, people are going to be resting as part of their daily practice. I also think that we're going to be tapping into our dreams more. You know, there's the work of some really amazing lucid dreaming teachers. I don't know if you lucid dream. Do you lucid dream as well? Yes. Charlie Morley. Do you know Charlie Morley. Love Charlie Morley. Yeah. That was, we did an episode with him. If people want to listen, we'll put it in the show notes, but we talked about how to lucid dream and Yeah, if you want to experience magic without psychedelics, freaking lucid dream. Yeah, lucid dreaming is incredible. So Charlie Morley, Mm -hmm. Andrew Holoshek, those are the two people that I absolutely love to follow and learn from around lucid dreaming. They both have great books. But this is, I think, going to be more lucid dreamers in the world. That's going to be wild. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Working together in the realms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your book is beautiful. It's stunning. What is one thing people can expect when they read? 
I think one thing that people can expect is to really be touched and empowered to find their own light and wisdom. I share tools because I want people to know their own light and their own power. And that's what you'll find in these pages is ways in which to touch a little piece of that within yourself. And if you stay with the book for a while and go through the practices, it's like a practice of revealing, just revealing. It's so beautiful. I think a our community has access to a lot of practices and stuff, but I think so many of them I've never heard of mm -hmm. and I've never seen. And I'm excited to even do the timeline one and the death yeah. one tonight. Yeah, the timeline and the death practice. Time profound. The cover's beautiful. Thank you. I'm so grateful that you came. I'm so grateful to hang in Mexico. Yes, I it's can't wait. Yeah, it's great. Be fun. And we'll see you guys on the next one. We love you. Bye. Thank you so much, Tracy, for joining us on Almost 30 Podcast. And thank you for sharing this with a friend to start a conversation on burnout, on rest, on finding the luminous and being the luminous self. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode, just bringing you brands that we vet for you and really, really love. You can find all discount information in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate your support and love and trust in us. We'll see you on Thursday with a new episode. Love you guys. Bye-bye.